Welcome to Material, a show all about the Google and Android universe hosted on the Relay FM network. This episode of Material is brought to you by CuriosityStream and Ministry of Supply. I'm one of your hosts, UX designer Yasmin Avian, and joining me as always, our wonderful co-hosts, uh, tech columnist Andy Anako. Hello. And straight from Dub Dub, WWDC, app developer Russell Ivanovich. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm in San Francisco again. <laughs> yeah, now we get to record, you know, you, you get to experience uh, recording in the afternoon like we do and uh, not in the morning. You're, you're always up and early on when we have to record with you. It's weird because I feel like sometimes in the morning I'm not, I'm not myself. Like it's, it's still too early. But now, yeah, I may have been going off. I didn't follow all of Andy's advice. I didn't get the, what, what was that rule, Andy, about the sleep and the washing of hands or whatever? I don't, I don't think I met the sleep requirement part of it. <laughs> Yeah, it's a the five two one rule of a uh, of uh, of long conferences, which is every night without any excuses, get at least five hours of sleep, two real meals, and one shower. Ooh. And no, and no, <laughs> spraying your clothes with Febreze does not count as a shower. Maybe don't, maybe don't tell us if uh, if you're missing out on the on the one. All right, Russell, we don't need to know. That oh, right you, you don't need to know which one's missing. You just have to know that. Yeah, we of, of that triangle, one of them is missing. It's pick any two, isn't it? I thought that's how it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so um, it's fun, fun time for you. You last year we last year I do that every time. I meant to say last episode, and I said last year. Last episode we had our live episode, and so that was pretty fun to interact with the listeners, um, and they got to see the chaos that is Material Podcast. Um, but now, but now you are in WWDC, Russell, I, and I. No, I, I was going to say, how weird is this, Yasmin? You'd expect. At an Apple developer conference, you know, we have a Google podcast. There's not going to be any material fans here, but I'm sorry to disappoint you. There actually is. There's a lot of them. A lot of people came up and said hi. I went to the um, the live Relay FM event that we had. The, they recorded an episode of Connected, uh, you know, one of our sister shows, and quite a few people came up to me and they said, look, I, I really enjoy listening to material and I really enjoy getting a view into, you know, the Google universe. That You know, they're not necessarily in the Google universe, but I think... You know, they're basically saying they really enjoy sort of seeing the the other perspective that we bring. So I thought thought that was pretty cool. Shout out to to all the listeners that that came and said hi. Yeah, that is pretty awesome. Yeah, we we are we are the ROV uh, for undersea research for people who are too scared of the dangers of the Google universe. <laughs> that we're sending we're sending good data back, even though we're swimming well below crush depth. But I also understand that uh, according to scouts on the ground, you were flying the material colors. <laughs> yesterday at least during the keynote day <laughs> i was yes yeah. so i'm wondering if i made it on my uh, live stream with the three androids on my chest but yeah so i was wearing i was wearing the material shirt loud and proud and quite a few people recognized it you know which at an apple conference again i think is is pretty good <laughs> we're, we're, we're putting pretty, a dent in the universe awesome yeah. the well, well they recognized me right because you had your your jacket closed and the only thing showing is yasmin <laughs> little yasmin android so that was actually a funny thing that we didn't realize when we did the shirts is that if you're wearing a jacket with a material podcast shirt and you have it kind of maybe not even zipped up but you have it kind of closed the only thing you can see is me with my hands up <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we so it's didn't like it's Yasmin's shirt. Yeah. I think Yasmin's Yeah, exactly. Oh, uh, Russell and Andrew didn't catch that before we <laughs> sent it to print. So uh, it's a cool, it's a cool interactive feature. Where it looks like Yasmin is like closing your jacket. <laughs> to, Honey, it's cold. Just <laughs> Put zip the jacket up. If, if you're not going to wear a scarf, at least zip up. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Even though. in t-shirt form, she's a good form. She's a good mom. <laughs> So that's pretty awesome. Um, I'm glad that there are some people at WWDC that uh, love material. It's always fun to hear, especially at an Apple conference. So, yeah, I'm, I'm bummed it wasn't a RaleighCon. We did listen. I did listen listen to the connected uh, episode, and it sounded like so much fun. So next year, hopefully, they have another one, and we can we can make it out because. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think if they if they have another one, don't don't tell Mike, don't tell Stephen, but we should crash the show just halfway through. <gasps> it could be like turn into the Google show. Genius Actually, idea. what we could do, what we could do is just talk about all the features that we already have on Android Ooh. and then tell them, hey, this is how you're probably going to utilize this on Apple because we've seen <laughs> that you've actually integrated them. Or maybe we can walk them through Google Photos and be like, I'm sure this is what Apple Photos new features are going to look like. So let, let's just give you a tutorial. <laughs> Boom. I, I don't want to throw my See, drop. We, we don't. <laughs> We really don't want to taint uh, the value of the material podcast shirt. 
Because if we do stuff like that, then that will be a very handy sign in any group like that of here's the people we need to beat up before they open their mouths. <laughs> we don't want to inflict that on the this listeners. This is true. Yeah. And I will say, I don't want to throw any shade. I'm not that kind of person. I do gravitate to iOS sometimes. You know, I develop on there as well. So it, both platforms do borrow from each other. But I, I did have a quiet chuckle to myself when I saw all the updates to Apple Photos. You know, you can now search. They didn't call it machine learning. They're like, we use deep, deep yep. learning. I don't know if that's that's better than machine <laughs> learning or it's just different, but they can now recognize things yeah. in photos. It now does it, this cool feature you guys never would have heard of. It, it does memories, so it brings back you know past events and puts them in a little <gasps> album thing for you. Weird. It, it even sometimes if it it can make you a video and like set it to music. You know all features I I haven't seen oh, before. I've never heard of before. <laughs> and I, but here's yeah. where the Apple people that. come in, the, and the here's reason. where the Apple people come in and say, but it's all secure because it's all done on your phone and you don't have to sell your soul to Google. I know you guys are out there. I've heard your remarks. Oh, don't, <laughs> Those are what you're thinking. Don't, don't get me started, Yasmin, on how they could possibly be indexing the stuff on your device when half your photos are in the cloud. We don't, <laughs> we don't want to have that discussion. Yeah, I was, I was, yeah. I was wondering about that. Like, If it's all on your phone, then storage. But anyways, look, another conversation for another day. <laughs> I have to say this one thing before, before we get angry emails, right, is I'm really happy for our iOS brethren who use the Photos app and now can enjoy the same features. And I'm genuinely happy. You know, I've had my, my five minutes of giggling and... I'm happy that you get to experience the same thing. Yeah, and you know, I, I was wondering why they spent so much energy and effort on Ello at uh, Google I.O. when they were like, and here's how you can shout, and here's how you can whisper text, and here's all the emoji stuff. Um, and then they did the exact same thing uh, for, for Messenger at uh, WWDC. So I was like, oh, maybe they got wind of, hey, they're doing the same thing, and we really need to make an emphasis that we we did this first. So um, it, it is pretty funny to, to kind of see. Uh, it was so many similarities. But you know what? One of the really cool things that I did see from WWDC, which I really hope they bring over to Android Wear, uh, was the wheelchair. They So they added a new wheelchair. Um, I don't know if it, it's not a feature, but it's like basically, a setting. Basically, like a setting. Yeah, exactly. O awareness that there are a lot of people who use, uh, who use wheelchairs. And so you start off with something as simple as, uh, if you have an Apple Watch, you know that one of its uh, most... Uh, prevalent and sometimes annoying features is that, hey, it's time to stand. You've been inactive for a while. And I can only imagine, like, I've just spent $1,000 on an Apple Watch. I use a wheelchair. It's like, hey, why don't you stand up? <laughs> well, there was the, well, well, Siri, there was this drunk driver uh, 11 years ago. I was in college at the time. I, you know, it's, uh, and so just the, the simple thing that, uh, that it changes that you can, in settings, you can say that I'm using a wheelchair. So not only will it change that language uh, to uh, say just, you know. Uh, time to roll. Be active. Like, exactly. Yeah, it's like to, let's roll. Time yeah, to yeah, roll, yeah. right? But also the fitness app understands the sort of exertion that you do when you are using a wheelchair. So it can now track calories, tr heartbeat, uh, uh, travel time, that sort of stuff. Uh, and they were making a, a good point about how it's not just as simple as like, you know, here is the amount of distance that has been traveled from A to B and how much time it really is that you have to understand that there are different types of uh, techniques for propelling a wheelchair forward and so the app has to understand what kind of stroke uh, the user uses to get the uh, uh, correct calories so it's not it's not just that but it's all it's just the awareness that there are all there are all kinds of users out there and there's almost no excuse really for recognizing that uh, in the world yeah and actually we had a, a listener when we were talking about android Wear ma having maps on android Wear that actually uh, wrote back to us saying hey it would be great if uh, android knew that i was on a wheelchair because it's it's thinking that I'm running marathons when I'm just in my you know my wheelchair nav navigating the city, um, and so like I, I saw that and I was like oh that is so awesome they actually did do something with that so I hope they bring that to Android where um, again I think that smartwatches for people in wheelchairs is probably like such a beneficial tool because as as a listener was saying that when they used to have to navigate an unknown city they would put put their phone in their on their lap. And they would actually sometimes like fall off or whatnot if they're trying to use it for navigation. So it was just like a pain. So in the introduction of the smartphone, or sorry, the smartwatch and being able to actually navigate from your watch was is like a huge advantage because it's strapped on and you're not going to lose it while you're being active. So um, I'm really, really happy that Apple did did some stuff there. Another cool thing that they that I hope or, you know, maybe there's an emphasis or brought over to Android. Um, you know, they introduced the Swift 
a playground and I, and I don't know if like how that would be brought over to the tablet or the Chromebook, but it was really cool for them to see an, see an effort that they're trying to teach kids how to code via, or not just kids, anybody how to code um, via Swift and it was on the tablet. So you can actually do that on the iPad. So that was really cool. And I hope that there's some initiatives to kind of do that on the, on the, on the Android tablet and uh, Chromebooks. Yeah, so as a developer, I found this one really interesting. I, I had a chance to play with it a bit. It does seem, you know, geared toward children. I mean, it works obviously for adults as well. But the thing I really liked about it is how you know visually interactive it was, and how it sort of starts off simple and then gets more complex. And Google, I'll give you a free idea. There's a language out there called Kotlin. Looks almost identical to Swift. Is made by the JetBrains people, who they're already really friendly with because they teamed up to make Android Studio. Grab that language, you know, take it to the Chromebook, make something similar, not because you know, hey, let's copy Apple to get the same feature. But because Chromebooks I hear are really popular in schools, you know, a lot of a lot of schools use them. If there could be some tool on there to actually do, you know, like a basic form of development that's a little bit more interactive than you know maybe what I do day to day, I think that's a, that's a good thing. You know, the more kids we can teach the code, the the better. I'm all for it. Yeah, Swift is really great that way because if you have if you're not familiar with it, uh, it has a lot of things that would give real developers uh, make real developers happy. One of the things like is just the fact that it can't use pointers, so it can't really mess th- you you can't really mess things up as badly as you can if you don't have a good uh, variable and memory management strategy. Uh, but the idea is we all uh, those of us over a certain age understand uh, what it was like to learn how to program using an interactive language of some sort where you. Uh, you, you give you give instructions and you get immediate results. Uh, those of us of a really certain age uh, remember Logo, where you're writing commands to make a turtle move around on a little graphic screen. Uh, Swift has a lot of that same sort of here is the command that I gave. Here is what actually happened as a result of the command, as opposed to okay, I loaded in the library and now I've added a routine. I've added this. Now I'm going to compile it. Now I'm going to so. With Swift, the, it's integral to the development process. Are these things called playgrounds where it's the best way to put it is that you have a side of the window where you have the code and the other side you have the results of that code and it could be things like sprites that are moving around and uh, they give a demo that uh, in the in this in this tutorial app uh, just uh, an app that uh, is like almost like a, 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 a snow globe sort of thing that uses the phones, the devices, uh, gyroscopes to tell that it's being tilted and shaken and move and bouncing things around in the container. So Really, the way to get people to program if they've never coded before is you really do need to give them that sort of, I've typed three lines and here's what those three lines did. And now, gosh, I've done three lines that make a make a ball appear. Now I want to move it from left to right. And now, oh, there it is moving from left to right. So it's really, it's, for that reason, it's, there's a lot of like instant gratification uh, going on when you're uh, more like you, you, you're the rat in the Skinner box. You push the lever, you get the food pellet immediately as opposed to, Great. In two and a half days, we will. Your punched cards will arrive, and then you'll run it. You will see. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Everyone that asks me, like, how getting into development, what do you recommend? We always recommend the web languages first. Even just getting, you know, with HTML, CSS. I know, of course, some people are like, that's not really programming. Uh, but you get that instant result, and it like kind of gets you used to to the idea uh, of programming. So that's usually a good way to go. But you know, if you don't have an iPad and you don't have Swift Playground, there is still tools out there like Code.org that allows you to uh, code, and they actually have an Elsa, like a frozen Elsa one that I've done with my daughter. Um, and that one's a lot of fun. So there are tools like there. I'm all for getting more people um, to to code and making it easier for them. So like that for me was super exciting. In that video that they had of all the people and like there was this woman who was like, I, I want to like, someone wants to come up to me and be like, I need to do this and I'm going to get my computer out and code or something. And she's like, and boom, I am going to be like, an, I don't I don't think she said ninja, yeah. but it was just this like excitement. <laughs> no, she said ninja. And, and does she say ninja? Yeah, okay. I so. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so it was like, super, it was just really fun. I love the videos. So uh, I was actually, I saw WW, I saw the, the keynote um, and I was really impressed. So Apple, I just, uh, I want to applaud first your diversity efforts. The, the lineup was excellent. Um, and so I was just really happy that, that they did that. And um, so anyways, I, I, I really enjoyed the keynote. That was a fun thing for me. And, you know, it was like getting a refresher course of all the things I learned about at I.O. Zing! 
You couldn't help I get that second again. dig in there. Yet. Come on, Yasmin, we just we just managed to rise above it, and you just brought us straight back there. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. No, it's if it, it just goes to show you that uh, there is uh, the the fact that Google and Apple both exist in the same world as their users means that they're going to have a lot of the same ideas. Yeah. And if each one is inspired by the other, well, that's all to the good. That means mm -hmm. that you don't have one operating system that is only good for forty percent of the population than another operating system that's only good for 45% of this of the people and no overlap exists. I like the fact that if it's if an idea proves to be super, super great on iOS, somebody's going to be smart enough to do it on Android and vice, vice versa. Yeah, no, I definitely yeah. agree. And, and I do like the fact that, um, I know this is not an Apple show, but you know, they had, they had some big, big news here that affects Android as well, is is the fact that you know they're opening up a bit. You see the development of Swift, and it's all it's all open source. You know, all the future stuff is being put there. Normally, Apple would uh, they'd work on it secretly for you, and they'd be like, "Hey, here's the new stuff that we got," and you're like, "Oh, well, thanks, but you'll miss this one thing." And they're like, "Okay, we'll get that next year." This time around, you know, there's a community involved. It's like a committee that you know analyzes everything that people suggest, and I really like that. You know, and and, and Google has worked like that with a lot of their stuff, which which I like to see, and it would be. Awesome, you know, if they they did that with something like Kotlin as well, it would be would be really cool. Sorry, I'm getting all developer on you, but it is a developer conference. I'm kind no, of no, no, again, no, no, and you are a developer. <laughs> yeah. One one thing that was a little bit disappointing. Um, I still think it's not amazingly likely or imminent that we're going to see a version of the Apple Messages app for Android. For a bunch of reasons, one of them was pointed out by uh, my friend and uh, and colleague Renee Ritchie on MacBreak Weekly that uh, I hadn't even considered that. What happens when you turn on uh, Android for uh, messages? I'm messages for Android, and suddenly Apple has to handle a multiple of the traffic that they're currently experiencing because now they have to handle the most popular <laughs> phone operating system on the planet. Uh, but nonetheless. It was kind of. It's. I, I really hope that the, they find some way to at least make it possible for third-party uh, Android developers to create a messages-compatible app, uh, because uh, I, I, I'm I am surrounded by as I speak one, two, three, four, actually five Apple devices, and one, two, three of them are actually on and doing something right now, uh, and it bums me out that uh, they have one messaging app that kind of crowds out almost all of the others. And it's only a club for Apple people. And given that there's cool things like, uh, uh, given that there's like WhatsApp and there's uh, and there's other apps that people are liking even more, you're not giving people the reason to stick with one platform. You're say, you're basically driving them elsewhere. The, the fact that the changes they made to the Messages app are uh, made me think that they are they were surprised, but they have learned that things like making your eyes big and vomiting rainbows during a, during a video chat is in fact something people seem to care about more than security. <laughs> so as, as, as good as the pitch they were making about the security of the messages app is perhaps they should give you an ability to like have fireworks in the background of the screen and let third party developers like add like Uber features to it. And so it's, it was, it was an interesting peek into how you have to uh, uh, sophisticate an app uh, when what you want the users to do is not the same as what the users want. Yeah, I did. I did hear one interesting anecdote about that from someone at Apple. They were basically saying, um, you know, they have a fairly steady adoption for their new operating system. It's normally pretty good. It's normally sixty percent of people update, you know, reasonably quickly. And there was one version of iOS nine where they introduced, I think, a hundred new emojis. And the update curve for that particular update was way higher than all the ones they'd done before. <laughs> and I think maybe at that point they realized like, oh, people really like these emoji things. Like there are people who were holding out even updating to iOS 9 itself that when this came out, they're like, okay, I'll press whatever buttons you want me to press. Do whatever you <laughs> need to do to my phone. Just give me these hundred new, you know, emoji things. And I, I think they see that in messages as well. You know, they see things like WhatsApp. They see things like Snapchat and, you know, how fun and sort of playful they can be. And I don't think they want to be left out of that market. And I have a solution for them, Andy. If they don't want to launch on, you know, one billion devices on day one, just make it Android 6.0 only. And then you've only doubled your current user base. You know, there, there are roughly as many people on Android 6 as there are iOS users in the world. I'm sure they can handle doubling it. Just just do that, Apple. Free, free tip for you. What, what if they just started out as a gingerbread only release? <laughs> or so any, anybody who only has like the HTC One, <laughs> like the, 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 the G1 phone can use it for now. Yeah, that, that is the other way to go. You, you could go that way. <laughs>
We brought it to Android. It is definitely the year of emoji. Uh, there's been definitely some emphasis on that on uh, different uh, platforms. All the messaging apps are, are doing that. It's also the year of Obama droid. We, <laughs> we got news that Obama has said goodbye to his BlackBerry, and he was uh, he was on Jimmy Fallon, and he said actually he didn't actually said that he was switching over to Android, but he was uh, he was saying that he was like you know this cool uh, tech president with an with a BlackBerry, and I was just laughing. I was like, no, Obama, having the BlackBerry does not make you the the cool uh, tech person here. So he says he he got a new phone um, and got rid of the BlackBerry, and with some he didn't flat out say it was an Android, but there has been some research and. Andy and you you know all about it and we I think we find out we found out which phone it is that he has well this is uh this is just some uh in good investigative research from Ars Technica uh they watched they did something I was unwilling to do which is to watch the Jimmy Fallon show oh. if you like it that's great I, lo- I don't I'm just saying I just don't my my time is given over to Colbert and that's what I think it, we have a title for the show it's okay. just called throwing shade Two words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, 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 yeah. So, there's, so, uh, of course, uh, Jimmy Fallon tried to give him a little bit of shade. It's like, hey, you miss, you're using a dad's phone, or you're using a cool phone. And he said that, and, and of course, Obama can only use a hardware that's been approved by for use like super double secure for the White House. Uh, so, uh, but Barack reported that he now carries a secure and use the word smartphone uh, that's so locked down that he compared it to an infant's toy phone, according to ours. Uh, while Obama didn't mention the type of handset he now carries, there's only one mobile device supported by the Defense Information Systems Agency. That's the agency that provides the White House with communication services, and that is that phone is a hardened samsung galaxy s wait for it <laughs> four <laughs> and that's and that's because it, it, ta- it, it takes years it takes years for the for them to certify it so that's probably it's probably like just now they they've been able to actually certify it and of course uh they're also dumping on all kinds of proprietary stuff to additionally lock it down uh, so it probably rep- and they've they port they've uh, according to the specification and this is something you can read more about on ours part of that specification is like they've disabled the camera they've disabled certain apps that's probably why he's uh he compared it to a to a toy phone because it's not it's not fun i, I bet you i bet he cannot get snapchat uh, <laughs> unless it's like the nsa's like private internal snapchat uh, or something like that uh, but uh, the article also mentions talking about the uh, disa's certifications uh, that one of the reasons why the s4 has been approved is because of a lot of the security that they've put into the phone itself uh, so it sounds, it seems interesting that I, I bet that Apple is trying to make the case that why can't the president use an iPhone? Uh, I don't, I don't think they're trying to, I think they're trying to sell more than one iPhone to even one high profile customer, but it, someone internally is saying, what do we have to do to get the defense defense department to trust an iPhone short of us actually allowing them to tinker with our software? Yeah. Cause that, I mean, that, that's how these things work. I actually used to be like a defense contractor back in the day and this might shock a lot of people, but the operating system of choice was Windows XP. And the reason for that was that Microsoft gave them a version of it and they got to lock it down. So they got to modify, you know, core system preferences. They got to remove things. They, they basically got to lock it down all the way until they had their standard operating environment, they call it. And when you boot it up, it looks nothing like, you know, Windows XP. It's missing, missing a whole, you know, ton of stuff. But that, that is how the Defense Force likes to do things. You know, everything is, is like five years old. Everything is kind of locked down. And I'm sure his S4 is the same thing. You know, he can't get to the camera. Can't get to the Snapchat. He probably can't even get to the messaging app. So I don't know what he's doing on there. Maybe he plays games from the uh, the Play Store. Do you think he has a marshmallow yet? <laughs> <laughs> doubtful, doubtful. Do they, do, do they at least let him use like a Hello Kitty like a cover or case on it? <laughs> or is that 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 has to be cleared yeah. with the? He has to have a special check, case check on for it. bugs. I'm I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, that that was pretty funny. Where he was like. I was so excited to get this smartphone because I see my, you know, my daughters and like uh, Michelle are always using these cool apps. And I was like, I want to get in on this. And then, yeah, I can't even make phone calls. They pretty much have to call me and I can answer it. So, uh, yeah. yeah, it's uh, it will be interesting to see. 
kind of I, you're I guess you're living in a whole different world when you are the president of the United States because you know there's so many th- restrictions of things that you can and can't do. Um, so it'd be funny. I don't. I mean, even after that, I don't know. Are you allowed to use Snapchat after after you leave the office? Who knows? <laughs> See, this, this is why I will never become president of your country, the USA. Like, despite all the other restrictions, you know, I, I would have run for president, but when I found that out, I'm like, no, I can't. You're like, I, I can't, give up I my wanna, smartphone. I, like, I won't do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, also, well, it's it's interesting when you when you deal with uh, like presidents and elected officials who are kind of used to having technology and they're limited. Uh, I was really interested to see uh, in in video starting a year or two ago. Uh, you start seeing that he is—he's uh, actually wearing a, a fitness watch. He's wearing a, a Fitbit Surge uh, on his wrist, and I'm thinking the president's pulse and the president's <laughs> like movement activity. And is that like a special? Is, again, is it a special hardened version of the Fitbit, or is it something that he's not allowed to wear it like outside of the White House grounds? Because otherwise, that Bluetooth signal could be found and tracked. There must be such a great story about how do you the, just the 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 IT department that has to deal with the president's daily carry because he doesn't carry a wallet, he doesn't carry car keys, but he does have he does have a phone and he does have a watch. Oh man! So he, he must there, love those there must two be things. Like so much stress for that position because uh, yeah, security and making sure all of it's like. The president just wants to know how many steps he has taken today. Please find him something that we can can lock or, down. No, or 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 more to the point, Michelle wants to know how many steps the president has taken this week. So, uh, so that was fun. So, hey, welcome to Android. Uh, you know, President Obama. If you're looking for a podcast to find out what cool things you're missing out on your phone, check out Material Podcast. So, if anyone knows, you know, President Obama. Let them know about Material Podcast and be like, hey, after you leave office, you can, we'll, we'll get you like the coolest uh, Android phone with like the latest uh, operating system. Maybe maybe you'll have Android nutties. I'll be running Android nutties. I don't know. I'm not sure if that's a sell- t-shirt. selling point for him. And this episode of Material is brought to you by Curiosity Stream. Curiosity Stream is the world's first ad-free notification streaming service founded by John Hendricks, the founder of Discovery Communications. Curiosity Stream offers over a thousand titles and 600 hours of content. It's available in 196 countries worldwide. It is available on all these awesome uh, streaming platforms like Roku, Android, iOS, and it has Chrome co- Chromecast support and Amazon Fire TV access. Um, beyond, and there's so many other cool things that it has. Uh, it even even connects to your Apple TV, so we know Apple listeners. You need some love, too, and it connects to that, too. They have a wide variety of science and technology content, and they've also launched over 50 hours of 4K content. So if you have a 4K TV, take advantage of that. In addition to documentaries, Curiosity Stream has also has many interviews and lectures. The library includes Stephen Hawking's Universe, a series where Stephen Hawking traces the history of astronomical theories and technology. There is some other things like the road to singularity, which we've kind of discussed here. You know, we're, we're getting close to that with uh, artificial intelligence. So if you want to find out more information, you could go onto Curiosity Stream and check that all out. Monthly and annual plans available start at $2.99 per month, which is less than a cup of coffee or cost of one title on a competing on-demand platform. Check out curiositystream.com forward slash RelayFM and use the promo code RelayFM during sign up to get unlimited access to the world's top documentaries and nonfiction series completely free for the first 60 days. That's two entire months free of one of the largest 4K libraries around. Just go to curiositystream.com forward slash RelayFM and use the offer code RelayFM at sign up. Thank you so much, CuriosityStream, for supporting this show and all of RelayFM. Hooray, hooray, hooray. Uh, now, uh, sometimes I'm a little bit behind the curve. Uh, Google <laughs> Google released a, a, a really cool feature for Android uh, about a week a week or two ago that I missed out on until I was start, you know, I do my usual weekly search for things I might have missed out on. Uh, yes, it shows you how many times I miss out on things. Uh, they've added Now on Tap. Now, you know that Now on top, Tap is that thing where if there is something on your screen – like an email uh, or a uh, or a web page, and there's something on it that you wish that uh, Google would explain for you or help you out with. You hold down like the now on tap. You hold down the home button for a couple seconds. There's a little bit of and it will find on your email that hey, look, there's an address. I bet that that's a, that's the address of your friend here, or here's a here's the restaurant they're talking about. Or if you're on a web page where oh, who, here is Emil Otore, it will do give you the Wikipedia page for Emil Otore. 
again, let's let's walk that back a second. The principle is that if something is on your screen, you hold down the home button and Google will try to explain it to you. Now, I'm going to let you listeners unwrap this for yourself. When you are using the camera app and you've pointed it at something, that live image is something on your screen. Why don't you try holding down the home button while that camera view is active? Because, yes, a couple of weeks ago, they rolled out a feature where uh, now the camera app has now on tap. So if you point it at like a, a recognizable building, it will tell you, oh, well, that's the Treasury building. And here is the address and here's the history of the Treasury building. And if you uh, aim it at like a sign that's in a language you don't understand because you've told it that your language is English, it will translate a Spanish language into English. Uh, on and on and on. I've tried it a lot over the past week. Uh, and it's a little bit hit or miss. I was kind of surprised that uh, it doesn't uh, – I, I pointed at what I thought was the, a slam dunk, almost unfair to try it, which is, okay, well, here's a, here's a can of Diet Coke. And it didn't recognize a can of Diet Coke. But it's still early days. It's still – I think it's because it's still collecting information. As a matter of fact, I happened to, I happened to have been ripping some CDs, uh, and so I, I think I think Yasmin is, is, had, had experience too. But I'm gonna try to see if it'll recognize this CD while she while she takes over because now I actually want to play with. Yeah, this so I was uh, really excited to try it out, and I I was uh, in my office when I like found out that you could do it via the camera app. So I was like, oh, I have to try this out. So I took you know took out the camera app, pretended like I was gonna snap a, f a photo. I tricked I tricked it. I didn't actually snap a photo. I was just going to, and I did the held down the home button to do the now on tap. And I had it pointing at my coffee cup uh, and it's a, a it's from Stumptown. Um, and it actually gave me information about the roaster, Stumptown roaster. I was like, oh, it works. That's pretty cool. <laughs> so it was actually pretty awesome. Um, but the funny part is I'm trying to find stuff around my office to use it on. Uh, and it's not working very well. One of the things that it does it works really well with text I've noticed. So it's when it reads a text or something that like, that's really cool. Uh, but I guess random objects it hasn't really captured, but it, it really, it, it reminds me of that app. Um, a couple of years ago, I think the, the people from Twitter or some people from there creating this app where you could take a picture and you upload it to kind of your network and be like, what is this? And then people are supposed to respond. Um, and I'm not sure where that app, I forget the name of it or where it is now, but it's kind of the same idea, except you have the power of Google to find that that object. Well, it's pretty cool. Now, I just I'm so excited I, I tried this. So this was a CD cover of. Now it is a cover art of an opera, and it says maybe I think you have something here because it says Mozart die Antifang aus dem Saal which I'm totally mispronouncing. I'm making up that that German pronouncing. Uh, Mozart's abductions from the Seraglio. Damrau, Prosaka, Villazon, Schweinster, Selig, Kwasthoff. And so now on Google on the Google Now thing, it's it's pulled out each one of those things. So I have a page for the opera by Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. Uh, I can get information on it, or here's Google for it, YouTube, eBay images, or share that. Uh, a, a, a tile for Mozart, uh, a tile for the conductor, Sigwin, uh, a, a tile for Diana Damrau, and because it recognizes that Diana Damrau is a singer, I can also get at songs and albums, events, uh, the Chamber Orchestra of Europe. Wow, that's cool. So now I'm, now I'm actually going to be trying it on more things, especially I'm going to try it especially on things that are that have text on them, because I, there have been times where it's uh, like if I if I get off at a subway stop, for instance, in an unfamiliar city, I might just try just taking a, doing Google now on the picture of that subway sign because it will say, OK, you're on the I don't know, you're 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 at the you're at the thirty uh, second and and seventh Avenue stop or whatever. As okay, here are things that are nearby here right now, and here's where Penn Station is, uh, or here's the history of Penn Station uh, because you're you're aiming at this. That is so cool. There's uh, I, I wrote a column a while back after the after uh, uh, Amazon crashed and burned with the Fire Phone. Uh, for reasons that were self-evident to anybody who had a chance to use the Amazon Fire Phone. But I, I wrote a column that said, here are some ideas that I thought were really, really cool. And one of them was that there was a button, a physical clicky button on the side of it, whose purpose was, whatever I'm looking at right now, please explain what this is. Uh, and the idea of not having to specifically do a Google search for anything or do a, or type in anything and simply say, 
what the hell is that? What is what? <laughs> that? What is the hell is that that I'm looking at right now? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not making fun of people who have an accent. I'm actually just I'm actually quoting a Saturday Night Live sketch with uh, with Steve Martin, and he used that accent. So I'm sorry if I offended people. I try not to do that. But yeah, but just the what the hell is that? And now Google can say, well, here's what the hell that is, and here's where the hell you can buy it, and here's where the hell you can stream it, and here's a restaurant near the hell where that is. Uh, I've got to tell you, someone who's, who's traveling at the moment, that would be insanely useful. I, I want this. I want this in my life. And, <laughs> I, you know, when, when you're in a new city, somewhere you know you haven't been before, you're looking around and there's, there's just things everywhere. You know, there's places to eat, there's places to see, and you, you find something every now and again, you come across like a statue or something, and you're not... You're not in a museum, so some of them don't have plaques. They don't explain, you know, in 1922, this statue was... That would be really cool to just be able to point your phone at the statue, do the now on tap thing and be like, hey, like here's all the information you need to know about this thing. I, I think that's awesome. Yeah, Russell, that would be really awesome to try it out, except I think you're walking around with an iPhone in San Francisco right now. Oh, Ooh. you walked right into that one, Yasmin, because this is my next feature request. Uh, as far as I know, all the APIs are there for Google to actually bring their camera app to iOS. So... Why not bring this to to the iOS and bring this feature along with it? That would be pretty cool. Show the power. Although I'm not sure, I'm not sure if the Google camera is a good selling point uh, for <laughs> for for Android. <laughs> oh yes, man. Too soon. Too soon. I am so, just throwing shade. I did notice a lot of people on their iOS phones are using Gboards. That that's a. It, at the moment, it's America only, but Google made a keyboard, you know, for iOS, and it is super popular because. Out of all the third-party keyboards on the platform, I believe this one is like you know implemented really well. It's got emoji search, it's got Google search, it's got the swipey thing. You know, maybe maybe camera next. Mm. Yeah, so, someone was talking about the improvements that Apple made to the keyboard, about how it's a little bit predictive and how it's a little bit more active. Uh, and when uh, Gboard came out asking, gee, why, why can't I do certain search features uh, from the version that's on iOS? And then speculating that, well, maybe somebody at Google, somebody at Apple talked to somebody at Google saying, you might want to not want to put a lot of work into that particular feature because we're about we're going to Sherlock you in about two weeks. No, I believe the, so if it's the, the microphone you're talking about, that's an API you can't use as a keyboard. So keyboards oh, okay. aren't allowed to listen to to the microphone. It's just like a security thing that, the Apple has. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean... Because that, because that would be useful. <laughs> yes. For something like a Google keyboard where you want to do dictation and things, it would be really useful, Andy. I, I think maybe they didn't want the situation where, you know, you install a keyboard and it's like, hey, do you mind if I use a microphone? But you know, put it in settings or something, Apple. You, you can do it. Wait, does the system, like the default uh, iOS keyboard, allow voice dictation? Like the system Yeah, one? yeah. Okay, cool. I, yeah. I was like, wait, yeah. that sounds really, really backwards. No, it's just a restriction on third-party keyboards. <laughs> third party so if you're a third-party keyboard like Google, then you, you just can't have access to the microphone. That's not even a permission that, that you can ask yeah. for. I, I, I would be using the Google keyboard on my iOS devices more, for, but for two reasons. Number one, that for some reason, it just so often... Uh, uh, I try to I try to open the keyboard and there's a delay or there's a stutter and I'm looking at the old keyboard again because it had to release something due to memory or whatever. But the other thing is that oh my goodness, what a bad choice that the designers made on the iPad Pro, which is like my main iOS device. It doesn't you have the iPad Pro is big enough that you can actually have a full sized glass keyboard on there. But yet they've decided to make something to preserve screen real estate. They've made something that's, that's maybe two thirds the height, uh, like the original uh, Windows uh, Windows Mobile. And it's like, I just can't type on this. I can tap on it, but I don't want to tap on it. I want to type on it. And that's the reason why I keep using uh, the main Apple keyboard. It's just such a nicer keyboard to type on. Yeah, I, I haven't tried it on the iPad Pro, but that, but that sounds really, yeah, that sounds annoying if they haven't gone. Because what you don't want is to ruin the muscle memory of people. You know, people know where the keys are and the keys are a certain height. I've even found that moving back to iOS, I'm so used to typing on an Android keyboard that I'm just making spelling mistakes like left, right, center because my fingers know where the keys are meant to be and the keys are not there. And it's like, ah, oh, this is so frustrating. So I actually like on, so like for Android, I use SwiftKey and I like that actually I can set the height of what I want the keyboard to be because I feel like the default height is way too tall and it takes up too much screen space. So I like usually the, the medium one, but um, I can't, let's see, Andy is holding up yeah, his sorry, iPad it's a little Bro. bit too bright. His iPad Bro? <laughs> the new my ipad has a tribal tattoo and a vaping problem <laughs> oh i can see what andy means so yeah. normally on the ipad the screen takes up about a half sorry the keyboard takes about half the screen 
That yeah. is about a third. So yeah, it is quite quite squished down, which is good if you want to see more content, but really bad if your fingers remember, you know, where all the keys are. So one thing yeah. I, I just wish that they would bring from the iOS Google keyboard to Android is an em- emoji prediction. Um, SwiftKey has that. You can actually do the emoji prediction on there, uh, which is pretty awesome. And that's probably one of the main reasons I stick with SwiftKey. Uh, but I was like, Google, just bring that into the default uh, Google keyboard on Android and I will I will use it because I really do like the they added this feature where you could hold down on the space bar and it actually moves the, the cursor of where you're typing. And I was like, that would be so useful because there's always that instance where you want to fix something and trying to tap on that like small screen or in between a, a words or something. It's just a pain in the, in the butt. Oh, yeah. If any of our listeners don't know about this, like if you've got the standard Google keyboard that comes with a lot of phones, you can install it as well if you don't have it. You just put your finger down on the spaceboard, you, spaceboard, space bar. You slide <laughs> left if you want the cursor to go left. You slide right if you want the cursor to go right. It is one of the most useful features I've, I've ever used, yeah. I would, yeah. Are there, any sh- are there any shortcuts for cut, copy, and paste? Ooh, not that I know of. I'll t- there, it just goes to show you that sometimes it really you really do have to find what web page the company has for it because there there's a, believe it or not uh, Apple if you go to the iBook store this, this is not an Apple podcast but Apple users use Google services so we're talking to everybody here uh, it's uh, there are t- there are times where I realize that oh that's right I haven't like gone to the iBook store and downloaded like the free like 180 page PDF user guide that Apple provided for the iPad Pro and that's when you find out that oh I can use the keyboard as a trackpad I didn't know that oh I there's actually a user setting for oh I didn't know that all the things that you can't find by simply clicking every button and just using it for three or four months. Uh, and there are times where you find shortcuts like cut, copy, and paste that. So so Andy, the, the lesson is that perhaps instead of cursing and saying, oh, what a piece of crap this is for how difficult you're finding it to do something, you should see if there's actually an easier way to do it that they actually thought of ahead for you. <laughs> yeah, there is a lot of stuff like that it, on Android as well. Like I didn't know there was a whole bunch of um, keyboard shortcuts that are on the things like the Pixel C. And I found a web page, and it's like, you know, press Command-T to do this, press Command-K to do it. I'm like, oh, that's that's really cool. <laughs> yeah. oh, wait, wait. It's, 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 I've got one, Andy. Yasmin's always giving me jobs to do. She'll be like, you know, we'll edit this out, we'll edit this out. We'll, we'll put that in the show notes for you, listeners, that helpful article. <laughs> <laughs> but you know who actually puts the links in the show notes? I do, Russell. That's not you. That's not your – I'm not giving you a job. I do that sometimes. No, no, no. I'm giving you the job. I'm saying – Oh, we'll sorry. You're giving me the job. Yeah. Okay. I missed that. And sorry. just I was for that, at... we're going to put the iOS link to the iBooks one in the show now notes Now you're going to have well. to edit that out because <laughs> – Yes, me, allow me, allow me to be your light in shining armor. <clears throat> buttocks. Buttocks. <laughs> buttocks. <laughs> podcasting apps. Buttocks. I guess you're just going to have Weirs. to edit that whole thing out, Russell. Oh, no. Oh, no. Thanks, Andy. I owe you one. There you go. I'm, I'm there for yeah, you. Can I have a link to buttocks as well in the show notes, please? Yes, I mean, some people might not know what that means. Maybe if they just take a pic. No, never mind. Now I'll tap a picture. Google now tap. Yeah, that's not good. That's not well, good. Well, well, it be easier if you just take a screenshot. No! Here you go. Oh, no. Quick, quick. We're going to cut to an ad before anything bad happens. <laughs> Our second sponsor is Ministry of Supply. And this episode is, of course, brought to you by them. Um, there's, there's no way around this. I've been walking around a, a fairly warm city and as humans, we, we sweat. There's just no, no two ways about it. And very rarely does, you know, sweating take place in convenient places all times. And, you know, gym clothes, they're built for this. You know, that gym clothes seem to understand, hey, people who exercise sweat, so let, let's build these to, to take that. Funnily enough, normal clothes aren't and that's just, that's just bad. And this is where Ministry of Supply comes in. So they combine performance technology with tailored design to make men's workwear that's actually comfortable and capable. And it results in things like, you know, dress shirts that that wick sweat, you know, they breathe and they stretch as you move. So all the things you expect from your gym equipment, you can have in like a dress shirt. It, it's really crazy. So, you know, let's let's think about it an example. So one of their uh, suits, the Aviator 2, is so stretchy and breathable that people have actually run marathons in it. I'm told that's a true story. You know, I'm sure they wouldn't make that up. Ministry of Supplies co-founder set a Guinness World Record for the fastest half marathon run in a suit. So there you go. And he was, of course, wearing the <laughs> Aviator 2. So if you fancy yourself a ma- uh, ma- uh, material, let me do that again. So if you fancy yourself a marathon runner, you want to go to ministryofsupply.com slash material and you'll get 15% off your first Ministry of Supply purchase by using the offer code material. 
Or, you know, if you're in Boston like Andy or San Francisco like me, we're in both cities here. That's amazing. And coming soon to Washington, D.C. as well, you can just go to the actual store. You can go up to a physical person and you'll be like, material podcast, and they'll give you 15% off in the store as well. So we want to thank Ministry of Supply for supporting this show and all of Relay FM. This is, I, I'm not part of the ad, but I will say that, again, we're in the summer and we're in Boston. And this was the, this was the year that I've discovered like engineered shirts made out of engineered fabric like that. And it's like, oh, my God, I want to retroactively slap myself for the past. 10 or 12 years that these sort of things were available, but I'd not use them. I'm, I'm using, a, I'm wearing right now a cotton shirt because I bought it at a really nice diner in Vermont like five years ago. And it's like, it was, it's not terribly humid today, but I've been wearing it all day and it feels like it's about four ounces heavier. And I know where those four ounces came from, but where I, when I'm wearing like, I, I do actually have a black t-shirt from the Ministry of Supply. It's like, I'm, I'm covered up. I feel like I'm dressed. I feel, and I'm, and yet, it's like there's no added weight to it. It's like really super wonderful. I'm, the next, uh, I'm going to uh, Boston Comic Con, of course, in in August, and now it's going to be I'm, be I'm going to be wearing my Ministry of Supply T-shirt, and then I'm going to be wearing like another shirt made out of that same material, like over it. So I'll feel like I'm a grown up who's dressed, but I will not be a grown up who's sweating through four layers of cotton and wool. <laughs> nice. I mean, they they sent me one of their um, jumpers as well. You guys don't call them jumpers; you call them sweaters. Sweaters, I believe. Sweaters. And it, it is. I don't wear that sort of thing, but it's surprisingly comfortable. I've started to wear it everywhere, and it does it does actually feel when you're out in the cold, you know, you feel warmer. When you're out in the hot, you feel cooler, if that's a thing. But, you know, we, sh- we should probably uh, stop talking about them because, I mean, they're, they're amazing, but uh, we probably we probably yeah. paid the bills. I'm just I'm just helping other people to sweat less this summer. <laughs> unless, unless you like sweating, Smile in which more. case, go for it. Actually, sweat this ties less. directly into WWDC because I have noticed that developers you still haven't figured out the whole shower and deodorant thing you know we, we've got oh, to get there no. you can't have a room of 800 people where you know half of them haven't seemed well to you know this out yeah yet. i would think that this wouldn't be an issue because you know google io was a mountain view is a lot hotter there and it's an outdoor conference and i didn't really run into that but you're saying that at wwdc an indoor conference inside in in the city of san francisco which is a cooler city altogether like not cooler as in it's cool, man, but like it's a, it's a cold, it's cold city, uh, and you're saying there's still issues. So uh, that's surprising, Russell. That's surprising. There you go. Maybe maybe that's something to say about Google and uh, and Apple attendees, conference attendees. I don't know. I'm just I can't I making stuff up now. Well, yes, but I think I think we've we've paid for three times that. So, <laughs> so, sometimes sometimes we, sometimes we get advertisers where it's like it's actually something we enjoy and like we're talking about because again, all of sweating our less. Exactly. They're all wonderful. They're all wonderful. You're all wonderful. Um, You're all special. Some okay, of you are just a, more special than others. Now, uh, there have been, now we, we are, we have, we do sometimes have to talk about other companies and uh, for, for us to talk about this new Google story or, or this new Google rumor, we have to talk about a friend of mine who took a job at LinkedIn last year in a very, very senior position and who now is working for Microsoft because Microsoft has bought LinkedIn lock, stock and barrel. Uh, and that makes Great sense for Microsoft because they are really focused on being a business company and LinkedIn is the business social network. So it just fits into every single thing that they're doing. But that also started rumors that Google either is planning to, is thinking of, or at least should buy Twitter. And this rumor has been so pervasive that, no joke, Twitter stock is up 6% on the rumor that Google is going to acquire the company. Because obviously, it's a stock that's been sort of flatlining a little bit. Uh, there's been a uh, – uh, it's been doing okay, but there are a lot of analysts who, who've been saying that it's not been taking off. It, it seems to be – that the, they seem to believe that it's been saturated and – the membership now is the level of membership that they're ever going to get. Uh, they're looking for ways that they should start making money. The CEO particularly is feeling pressure on making money. And to return a value to the stockholders would be great if they did it in the form of, hey, guess what? We're now – all of your Twitter stock is now Google stock. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, and that's – it's interesting. I mean it's uh, – it's only a rumor. There, there haven't even been any say. Oh well, we know that this person made this uh, in, at Google or Twitter made this cagey comment, or we know that these two people are very, very good friends and they've been traveling. And they're in each other's Instagram feeds in conference rooms for some reason for the past three or four weeks. Uh, so it really, it's just a rumor. But given that it's not the sort of problem that people would have if. Uh, 
uh, if uh, let's say uh, a private like well, like when Instagram got bought by uh, by Facebook, uh, because everything you post on Twitter is already in the public public view anyway. Uh, Google is already searching it and indexing it. As a matter of fact, another data point that people are using in favor of this is that Google seems to be working more closely with Twitter to make sure that uh, people's feeds and the 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 locus there is uh, v- available and be able and can be promoted through uh, through trending uh, topics in uh, in Google searches. Uh, so I don't think there'd be much blowback beyond that. Uh, there are levels. I don't know how else to put it, but there are. Uh, levels of dreams that a company can only approach if it's already at the twitter level it can only get to the next level of what they can accomplish if they're owned by facebook or apple or google uh, although of course uh, you know nest was bought by google and uh, dropcam was bought by nest neither one of those companies had really happy endings to those stories so some some dreams end with you screaming and then clutching soaked <laughs> sweat soaked uh, bedclothes but that's kind of interesting i if for them to buy a, an existing popular social network instead of trying to add another plus sign to Google Plus. Yeah, you know, my my first reaction to this was, oh no, like Google, I don't know, they just don't have a very good history of social. You know, you had the had whole Google Plus, you had things like Wave, but then I turned my mind back a bit further, and I remembered that another small company that they once bought, you know, for I don't know about a billion dollars or something, YouTube, mm-hmm. and that's actually gone Apps. beautiful. Yeah, it's actually gone surprisingly well when you think about it. You know, it's it started off. It, it was reasonably popular, but it is now a lot more popular than at the time they bought it. They've run it really well. They've kind of set up, you know, independent management. You know, YouTube has its its own sort of leaders that, that run it. And it doesn't seem to be, you know, hugely influenced by Google. So that is more the Instagram model, model that, you know, Facebook did the same thing. Instagram is still around. You know, when Facebook first bought them, it was like, oh, no, they're going to ruin Instagram. People are like, I'm boycotting Instagram forever. And it, it turned out fine. So... If it's run in the way that YouTube was, you know, maybe maybe I don't have such a problem with it. Maybe my first reaction was, you know, a bit off. Yeah, I guess the only uh, new thing with Instagram with, under Facebook, I mean, it's it's been a while, but now they've introduced the what was it? Their feed that they like actually changed the feed of the Instagram the Instagram feed, so you can't actually see, so you in in theory won't be able to see all the posts that people write because they they've done I, I don't know if it's like the same algorithm that Facebook does with your post. Um, so it's an algorithm feed. So, I mean, yeah, that, that is frustrating. But for the most part, I think Instagram still kind of succeeded in, in what's its own app. They didn't uh, take over it. So I don't know. I mean, I yeah, YouTube is a is a perfect example of them nail like really getting something right within a product um, and really letting it flourish. And they've uh, it's, it's succeeded. Now you see YouTube, every, you know, everywhere you you go, you know that name. Um, so I I don't know. I I don't know. I, I don't really have thoughts on the the Twitter acquisition or the potential one of this because. I, I can I, either way. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just and that, there, there is actually like a, a, a similarity here. I don't know if you remember it, but the time just before they bought YouTube, they were trying to run Google Videos. You know, I don't know if our listeners <laughs> can remember back that far, but they were pushing Google Videos fairly hard. And I, I think there's an, an there's an analogy to be made here. You know, same thing happened with Google Plus. You know, they pushed Google Plus really hard, like super hard. If you remember, you know, all the things that were going on, and it wouldn't be unheard of for them to go and just buy the one. You know, the company to end up winning. So at that time. YouTube was looking like it was going to become way more popular than, than Google Videos, I think it was called. Google bought it. And now Twitter is obviously a lot more successful in terms of, you know, the mind share and, and you know, people actually using it than Google Plus. So that this could be, you know, something that interests them. Yeah, I mean, they've, and we also forget that uh, their map business was originally a different company. They uh, they bought Android yep. from a <laughs> yeah, vestigial true, true. company. Uh, and but that was a long time ago. Uh, maybe the most recent thing to think about is uh, how they acquired Waze uh, of, in 2013. Yeah. Spent about a, yeah, exactly. Now it's it's still its own brand, and it took actually I, was it like a year, maybe even two years before we started to see tangible crossover data between the two, where mm-hmm. uh, uh, Google Maps uh, traffic data became a lot more finely grained. But even then, it's not as though they turned they relabeled ways as to Google Google Maps in motion uh, <laughs> and gave it a total makeover. It still has its own uh, character. It still it still looks the same on uh, on iOS as it does on Android, as opposed to getting a material makeover and forcing an iOS user now to use a material app. Yeah. So I guess you know. Yeah. You 
you make up bring some good points of like when they have left apps and and we saw with Waze getting all the information from Waze just made Google Maps better. And as a, as a search, like if it was taken under Google and it was searched, like it would just increase, get that much more data uh, from Twitter and like get maybe get more up to date information in terms of the news and seeing what's happening now. Because I think what you're finding now is that Twitter knows when something goes wrong or something is right, like the news before even all the news sources do, right? Because everyone finds on Twitter. And of course, the the fun part about that is that sometimes you get the news and you're like, that's not actually true. That's not actually what happened. Something, something happened there. Um, but yeah, I, I could definitely see how Google could benefit from it. Um, and I guess from Twitter, they have they've had trouble really succeeding as a platform. So I can see how that, that would be good for them. I don't know. It'll be mm-hmm. it'll be interesting. Actually, I, I have a tangential story to this. I met um, some of the people that were running Apple's live stream. You know, the people in the background that were making sure you know that the keynote could be streamed out to people, and they were saying, you know, we have server monitoring, we have all these other things, but honestly, the the first thing we look for is Twitter people people complaining on Twitter, you know, the live stream mm-hmm. is down for me and they can really quickly, you know, try and narrow in on that and go, okay, all these people appear to be in Boston or all these people appear to be in Rome and and that's how they fix some of their network problems. So there could potentially be, you know, that angle as well. You know, Twitter is breaking news but Twitter is also, you know, people complaining about, you know, things not working and that that could be, you know, Gmail is down. Google be like, ah, oh, cool, Gmail is down, you know, we'll plug that in. Slack went down uh, for a couple of hours last week, or was it last week? Or the, I can't, I'm like losing track of days now, but it went down recently. And of course, Twitter, everyone was uh, complaining about it. I was like, why can't I share this file, like access my work stuff? So I was like, got on Twitter because of course, you know, I couldn't work because Slack was down. And then I saw that uh, everyone was saying that something's going on with Slack. So yeah, uh, it is, it is a part to find out what's happening in the world, even if something that's just with complaining, like, hey, Slack's down, you know? <laughs> well, it, it, it'd be keen. It, uh, my, my reaction to this is it depends on how Google wants to treat, uh, how Google wants to treat Twitter. If they treat it the way they seem to treat Waze, which is that this is such a valuable source of data for us that we don't care that it's not a revenue Cause, not revenue generating part uh, of, uh, of of Alphabet, uh, then we're okay with that. But uh, this is the new Alphabet, where we we every time we hear about how they're running it as a uh, Google as a division of Alphabet and all their other projects, they are expecting all of their divisions to make bank. And if they are now expecting, congratulations, here is your free Google hat and T-shirt. Now give us your plan to be profitable in five years. And uh, 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 five years? Like, could we get a weekend to think about this? Because uh, uh, Google also will shut down things that are not they feel aren't working or are no longer part of, uh, of their plan. So, so long as Twitter can continue to exist the way it exists, then I'm not worried about it. Google, uh, Twitter really is... Uh, whether it makes money or not, you can't deny that it is a phenomenon of uh, of human society at this point. Where it's if Twitter were to go away tomorrow, it's hard to imagine any one thing that could possibly take its place. The, the like like Russell said, it is it really is the the collective ear to the ground of society. This is the velocity of how information and reactions to things are are vibrating throughout the entire planet. We have a presidential candidate who has uh, is where he is today largely because he is so good at. Uh, conveying a concept in 140 characters in a way that people will instantly understand for and there are people who like that there are people who don't like that but you have to credit that he knows how to use this tool to advance uh, to advance uh, his cause uh, and so that just shows you how how important twitter is these days yeah i mean definitely you think a platform like that where you know it's it's you see it on tv so there'll be like a tv show and they'll be like here's our twitter hashtag you'll see a live sporting event and they're like hashtag blah and they'll put you know tweets on the screen you can't deny that you know at least in the world that we live in i'm not i'm not how, sure how it is in europe and you know africa and other countries like that but in in the western world i mean twitter twitter is huge yeah you've definitely seen um presidential candidates have some interactions on twitter it's uh <laughs> It's, it's <laughs> we, will, we will allow these people to have their anonymity. Yeah, we, we don't, don't know, know whether they, they intended these things to be. So. Maybe they don't know what they say on Twitter is broadcasted to the whole world. Maybe maybe that's the issue. Are, are you suggesting they should potentially delete their accounts, Yasmin? Is that uh, what you're saying? Too soon? No, not soon enough. Not soon enough. <laughs> 
another fun Android update news for all that we just talked about Slack and for all you Slack users. It finally, and I don't know if I think it might be in the beta, but so that means that it's coming out soon to all you Slack Android users, is that they've introduced quick reply from their notifications. So if you get a notification on Slack, you can quick reply like the the Hangouts app has with uh, on Android N, and you can just type your message and send it, boom, without even having to open it in the app. The best part, you can do it from your Android Wear watch. So if you are on your way to work and your your phone is, let's say you're driving and it's plugged into your Android auto car, you get a notification uh, from Slack saying, hey, Yasmin, are you on your way? Are you going to make this meeting? You can just quickly reply and either with voice or you can draw an emoji or any of those uh, pre-responses that are is built into Android Wear. So that's pretty fun. It's fun to see that they finally adopted Quick Reply. I um, I hope more apps that are doing messaging adopt Quick Reply because it is so, so useful to be able to do that from the notification, especially from your Android Wear watch. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I'm still more optimistic about the future of Android Wear than I, I am about uh, Apple Watch. Uh, I was I was hoping that they'd take the covers off of some really cool stuff today. They they made some improvements, mostly in app switching and app launching. Uh, but I was wasn't I didn't see that really incredible thing that made me think, oh, maybe I should think about moving back to Apple Watch. And now it's now I, I still have three hundred or some odd dollars, kind of ghosts in, in the ghost uh, infiltration fund for if they come out with a burn, if there's a new Android Wear watch that has NFC, <laughs> maybe I should really think about just even no matter how well I like my current watch and how many years are left in it, maybe I should get an NFC version for research purposes, of course. But I would say there was one thing that I was like, okay, that is a pretty, pretty killer thing for Apple Watch. The SOS feature on Apple Watch, yeah. please bring that to Android Wear. So uh, ZenWatch, the watch that I currently have, has like an SOS uh, SOS app built into kind of the, the functionality and all it, but all it really does is uh, messages your contacts that you can say who your emergency contacts are. But the SOS on the Apple Watch will also, um, I think it, what is it? It'll call, it'll call 911 or not 911, but any emergency service, depending on what country you are. And then it, it has it built into the OS and then it will also notify your emergency contacts. And that is so like, that is for the, the watch on your hand. If you are injured or anything, what is attached to you? Your flo- your phone has probably flown away if you, you were, you fell down or something, but if it's attached to your wrist, you'll be able to have that. So having some form of SOS built in to the operating system, um, that would be awesome. Please bring that to Android Wear along with NFC. Yeah. Tap and pay. Come on. And, <laughs> and and it's and it's just a long press on one button, that long enough that you probably will not trigger it accidentally. But uh, the fact that it can also do this over Wi-Fi. So if you're in the house, you fall or you have a you, – you, you, you suddenly – you've gone from wondering, gee, are these the signs of a heart attack for the past three hours to – Okay, definitely heart attack. You, what people? It's it's not like in the movies where you you struggle and you you sort of stammer. It's like no, you've got about eight eight second clock until lights out, uh, and your phone is probably upstairs in the bedroom recharging. The fact that you can simply reach your wrist, hold down a button, and by the time you lose consciousness, a bunch of really valuable things are going to be yep. done on your behalf. That's I, I I've said it again. I don't think I don't think that uh, enough people appreciate that Apple's most important product right now is their health initiative. Uh, and this is so consistent with the idea of how hard would it be for us to have an emergency signal come from your watch and how hard would it be to integrate that all over the world so that if you are you are in you're in Greece and you don't know you don't know where a phone is you don't know how to work the phone let alone what the emergency number is but your watch knows that you're in Greece and it knows how to do that and all you have to you're, again you're a tourist you just hold down that button as you're as you are looking up at the at the sky from the 30 feet you've fallen to uh, through this hole that uh, has led to an unexplored uh, <laughs> civilian ruin uh, it will find it will find the right people it will call the right people uh, and if uh, if local emergency services have patched into the system it will even give you location and stuff like that so uh, just bravo 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 and that's we, we started off this this show by talking about how if there's a good idea apple should have no fear whatsoever and no shame about stealing it from someplace else and vice versa android steal 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 <laughs> steal, steal, steal. Uh, yes please, steal please, it. Just, save lives yes, and steal who, yeah let go of your pride 
lives are more valuable <laughs> than pride here. We want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, Andy, where can people find you? Uh, easy way is to spell my name, which actually makes it the hard way because my name is hard to spell. I-H-N is in Nancy, A-T is in Tom, K-O. Uh, that will take you to my Twitter account, which is at Anatko, or my website, which is Anatko.com, which you both of these usually, ideally, have links to where I write on the Sun-Times and elsewhere. And Russell, where can uh, people find you throwing some shade to Apple at the WWDC uh, conference? Oh, I said I was never going to be that guy, and then I, then I was that guy. If you want to find out whether I am that guy or not, I, I'm going to get you to spell two words. They're a little bit easier to spell than in Arco, though. You just have to spell rusty <laughs> and shelf. You put them together, you get rusty shelf, and that's where you find me on Twitter. And you can find me at, at Yasmin Evian. Uh, you know, it's giving praise to Apple where they needed to, and then also providing some support to those Apple users that are now lost with all these features. I've said, look, Android has had them for quite some time. If you have any questions, I will gladly help you or go listen to Material Podcast. We'll oh. talk all about it. Oh, Apple users, you know, One I love you. Time. You know, I love you. I had to. How many times do you guys mean do this? Three times. Yes, I, mean, I, I, I Come on, I'm I don't get gonna, to do this very often. <laughs> I'm not going to fault you on this, but they realize that we actually have a two-prong goal here. We want to bring people into material, but once they're here, we want them to buy T-shirts and stuff like that. Otherwise, you know, the, 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 the do-re-mi, it doesn't ring, man. Look, you know, it's I don't get to do this as an Android user very often, so I, I have to take advantage of it. <laughs> oh, that was a, a ding to me. Kidding, everyone's innovative. All right, everyone, thanks so much. Until next time, stay in material.